Hello. Guys, I'm talking to you. Welcome to What's for Dinner episode, I think this is 147. My God, 147 episodes. You know what that means? 53 more, I hit 200. That's how good I am at math. <laughs> like that, you came up with it. That's my guest. You're going to hear the interview in a minute. Uh, I'm sitting here actually with Phil Palisol, who is uh, the other comedian I'm working with. Last week, Warren B. Hall was on the show, and I even said, next week we'll get Phil Palisol, and we got him. And this was a fun show. We talked about comedy, uh, early comedy. Phil and I seem to have a very similar uh, path towards comedy from when we were young. And uh, Phil gets into talking about how he did some writing for TV. It was really a lot of fun. Always, always insightful when you talk to a man with experience in a field just outside of stand-up. It's always fun to hear about that. Um, If you guys are in the uh, area of California coming up uh, next week, I believe... I will be at the uh, Fantasy Springs, the Improv in Fantasy Springs. That's in Indio, California. And then after that, I'll be doing some dates around uh, Burbank and um, some other places. I don't have my calendar in front of me, but you know what? You can check it out at flipismoney.com. Just booked my date back in Vegas for 4th of July weekend. So as that date comes up, I'll be plugging that even more. But I'm rambling now. So I'm going to shut up. And you guys sit back, enjoy episode 147 of What's for Dinner with my pal, Phil Palisol. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Difficulty averted. Good. Is your, uh... There now. There now. Now Now difficulties averted. Now there's nothing that's gonna get by you, Flip. Not at all, my friend. Wait a minute. There's there's uh, no tape in here. Do you have an extra uh, hi eight tape or a cassette? No. I'm kidding. It's digital. Oh. All right. (laughs) Well, I I come from the days when we had those. I did too. I know. And so I thought maybe. And then did did you did you walk around with one? That was an extra. That's funny. Did you uh, did you used to do that? You used to record your sets on tape? Little minis, and um, I started it with a full-size cassette. Uh, went to the little minis. Did, but did you have, like, the full-size, like a pocket little recorder with a full-size cassette? Yeah. Or, like, an actual thing with a microphone? No, no, I had just the, what it amounted to a Walkman, you know. Right, okay. And then, yeah. no, but it took full-size cassettes, and then I went down to those minis, and then for... About a month, I was on mini discs. These I had the mini discs for a minute, tiny yeah. Things, and, and then I went to uh, full-on digital. Do you have any of those little cassettes saved? They're all laying about, man. They, I've got them in a, uh, I've got them all in a shoebox. Oh yeah. And uh, each time I clean the office, I think I've got to do something with these. You got to digitize those, I, man. Yeah. Dude. Just for anything, just for uh, posterity. Right. I did that with a lot of my old sets from cassettes. Yeah. It's bizarre hearing yourself back then with this material that you thought was so brilliant. You know, it's so funny that you say that because every now and again I'll pick up something like that and I'll just glance at it and I think, how did I get work? (laughs) Who did I fool into booking that guy? How did that guy ever? I think we all do that. Like, what's the earliest set that you have on video? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it because I was, I mean, I was diligent at that point and I was, I was certain that I had to spend money to learn and m- spend money to make money. So it could be an early on set. It really could. And you started um, what? Late eighties? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first time I was on stage was in, uh, early 89. I, if I, well, I can't say the first time cause I went on stage and I did great. And then I went back the next week and I ate it and oh. I didn't have the fortitude to go back. So it took six more months before I went. 
Oh, so you went like one week, two week, and then then six month break. Yeah, it was a big gap because after the first time, you know how that goes. You know, you do well on that first one. And I thought, well, I'll be on that Tonight Show in four or five months. Right, right, right. And then I was, uh, and then I didn't know that you should do the same material. You know, I think everybody makes that mistake. Um, And uh, so I tried new things, and none of them were funny. And I mean, I chewed it. (laughs) <laughs> and that was horrible. And it, it felt so bad and so far away from where I I wanted to be that I just, uh, it took a long time for me to get the the courage to go back. Uh, I see. Yeah, I was just kind of similar. Like, I never, you know, it's funny, I never even thought about that. Like, my first time on stage and my second time, I think, were maybe one or two weeks apart. But, yeah, I did completely different material the second time. I don't quite, uh-huh. I guess, yeah, we never really thought about that, like... Uh, uh, it's okay I, to repeat material. I, I never even knew that. And, 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 I mean, I didn't know anything about this business. I, I didn't know that you could be a comedian without being a famous comedian. Right. You know? uh, and and uh, um, so I, I thought, well, this is, this is the way you go. You, 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 everything you say is funny because you're a comedian. And I had no idea that it was about thinking of the joke and crafting it just right and getting all of the excess words away and putting in just the right ones and... And it, it takes it takes time. It really does. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Like, yeah. I, you know, people forget that, uh, or I should say, forget they don't realize that comedy is. Um, but to me, it's like a muscle, like any other right. muscle in your body. And right. The more you work it out, the stronger it'll get. Absolutely true. And it, and it's and it needs to be developed too. You know, you don't oh, just yeah. jump in with this gigantic bicep and start <laughs> start wrestling guys. I mean, and it took. I mean, I I knew that I had the muscle. You knew that you had the. I was funny as a kid. You were yeah, probably funny here. as a kid. So I knew that it was in there, and I knew that a sense of humor was was a uh, a gift, unlike what other people had. Like some kids are faster and like that, and I was not smart in that way. So, so I you were the were you like class clown? Oh yeah, thing? yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and voted most likely to whatever those things are. You know, I had uh, signatures in my yearbook, and it's funny to go back and look at these things mm-hmm. too. You know, that Throwback Thursday really is an interesting thing. Can I I dig through my pile and uh, um, there was a, a yearbook signature. You know, call me in ten years when you're on comedy tonight. That's what they thought it would be. You know, on comedy tonight and look me up or something like that. And so I I knew then they knew then, but I had I didn't know anything and, and neither did they because uh, they just didn't know. No, it's, oh, that's yeah. funny. It's the same here. Like I knew when, uh, and I've talked about this on the show, but uh, first time I did stand up, I was eight in a talent show. Oh, okay. And I knew, like, I knew very young, and my yearbook had that same thing. You know, recently, uh, recently, a couple of years ago, I was going through an old, uh, I think, junior class yearbook, and it said like um, something like, "What, what do you want to achieve when you graduate or whatever?" And um, I said, uh, I want to achieve my dream of being a comedic actor like Weird Al Yankovic. Uh. <laughs> and I actually, and I, and I got, and it's funny too, is I got to open and tour for Weird Al a few times. Okay. And so I, uh, I tweeted that and I said, thanks for the inspiration, Al Yankovic. And uh. he actually favorited the tweet. Which oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, even in high school, you're like, it's, it's, I think it's a little more rare for guys like us who knew very young, like specifically, this is what we're going to do, as opposed to guys who were, who kind of figured it out later in life, like maybe in college they got dared to do an open mic, or even after college they're doing a yeah. some corporate job and something. Yeah. You know, I kind of always wanted to try. I it. I never fell into this. It yeah, was, same here. It was in me and had to come out. Absolutely. And I had to figure out ways to have it come out. And and I say this all the time, and you know that it's true that. 
if you've never fished before, you can catch one fish and know if you want to fish forever. And I got one laugh, and I was hooked. Hooked, I yeah. Mean, I was just absolutely – I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what I was going to have to do, but I was going to have to do whatever it took to, to do this. To get that this. laugh again, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then it started. It started the 24-year now love affair with work, you know. I know. It's fantastic. Do you remember um, – because again, I could—I uh, mean, I could recall several times in school, like I did something uh, funny or smartassy, and got that laugh. You know, whether it was warranted or kind of a, a naughty laugh, like doing something that you got in trouble for. Uh, do you remember like any of those early things that you might have done in school? Oh yeah, yeah. I still remember. I I remember that one of the very, very, very first things I did. Um, I'm talking about uh, second grade. And I, I remember I pulled my ears out, and I said, Mickey Mouse, and this girl laughed. And I thought, man, what a great thing that is. I mean, here's this girl, um, and I, I'm making her laugh. And I, and I did it on purpose. And, and it, I mean, it struck me then that this is the construct of that. I did the, I thought of it, I made it happen, and I got the reaction that I was after. And it just so happened to come from a girl who... Uh, a girl that I liked, but uh, I was in second grade. You know, I didn't like her like her. I mean, I just I liked her. Right, right. And right. I didn't like girls. I liked her. Yeah. And I made her laugh, and it was a huge thing. And then, and then it progressed. Did you fuck her? Uh, <laughs> well, Let's just get not when we it. were in second grade. Uh, in fourth grade. Yeah. Uh, I was an early developer, but um, <laughs> she, uh, she. I mean, it started that whole thing, and yep. then it and it, it developed from there, and. And uh, I was in a, a couple of, uh, I was in a play in uh, junior high, and that it wasn't stand up, and it wasn't, but it was a comedic play. It was a takeoff on uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This okay. play was, and and I played essentially uh, Robin Williams. I, I I played Mork essentially oh. in this play, and uh, again it got laughs, I got laughs, and and. It was separate from stand-up, but I knew that I wanted to be but on a stage. But you still got that reaction, in yeah. In command. Oh, um, I'm, God, it's like we live parallel lives. It's yeah. very funny. Because, uh, yeah, I, uh, same exact thing. Did I actually you remember, fuck her? I'm sorry? Did you fuck her? No, no, her sister. Oh, okay, okay. Her sister, right. the slut. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember when I was in third grade. Um, yeah, this is, it's funny how we have these vivid memories. Um, we were taking a test or something, and I remember I had, there were two friends of mine uh joshua and lance and they uh this is we had crayon boxes like crayolas and what they did is they took their pencil and like put it in the top of the box so it was, looked like a walkie-talkie like oh with an clever yeah and so we're taking a test and they're like you know pretending to talk to each other <clears throat> excuse me through the boxes like hey josh how are you doing oh i'm okay they weren't cheating they were just talking and the teacher did the same thing with hers. She like picked up a crayon box and said, Josh, Lance, could you be quiet? <laughs> and then I don't know how, but instinctually I knew a comic rhythm and I just, I out loud, I go, I'm sorry. This line is, ple this line has been cut off. Please hang up and try again. <laughs> like an operator busting through. Got this huge laugh from the class uh -huh. and I didn't get in trouble. The teacher even laughed okay. and she said, okay, Mr. Schultz. Right. And uh, but I remember that too. I remember just that feeling of getting that laugh and feeling that command of the room. Right. But even like I said, even looking back on it, just n knowing that I mean that's like timing. Yeah. You know, I, I knew to wait for this, like the uh -huh. the uh, the rule of threes kind of thing. Now, did you have shows on TV? Because that's what I grew up with: Carol Burnett, and I grew up with Wait. Bob Newhart, and I mean, I was 
in front of those shows and and I think I learned rhythm in that way too you know how yeah, often yeah, yeah. something should be funny and and the the power of the laughter and and like that I mean you didn't even get in trouble so it sets in early that if I'm funny in the right time in the right place I, I can, can get, get away, away with, with it, it you know yeah. and and that's for a kid who was rigidly raised in that way it was hugely freeing you know to find that I had this release this outlet yeah, yeah. no absolutely yeah I was um I mean, I watched Carol Burnett when I was a kid, but I think my, when I was growing up, it was uh, just kind of, I, I was, when I really started to take notice of it was the early-ish 80s when the boom was starting to happen in comedy. Okay. So suddenly all the stand-up was on TV. Yeah. You know, with HBO and yep. with the... Uh, um, Rodney Dangerfield, Dangerfield, Young Comedian Yeah, yeah, Young Comedian Special. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's right. I remember when I first saw Dice on that and uh, Kinnison. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you think of the careers that that launched, you know, um, because uh, Seinfeld, Ellen, uh, Robert Klein, all those guys were on those shows. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just it it changed the face, literally changed the face of stand up as a profession. Well, I think it brought stand up into the mainstream. Yeah. Because before that, stand up was a, you know, it was a nightclub thing. It right. was, a, you know, there was the Catskills and the Orpheum Circuit in the uh you know early half of the uh, century but i think somewhere in the 60s and 70s it became this kind of underground thing you know you had like the vegas acts yeah like rickles and uh, shecky green whatever but guys like carlin and Pryor, they were just under the radar a little bit yeah. of stand-up you know yeah but i think yeah in the boom when suddenly every tv or excuse me every network was trying to bring out stand-up and like you said with hbo and ronnie dangerfield suddenly this uh the boom happened and i mean i didn't i well if you started in the late 80s you probably were there at the tail end of the boom right just as the wave crested that's yeah. what it always felt like to me was just yeah as i think i was, was coming cresting. in as the wave crashed uh-huh but um yeah like you know you heard stories of guys who go like oh yeah i'm playing you know this place used to be a disco now it's a comedy club right everybody was trying to get in on comedy right there's so, a great book uh called uh, i'm dying up here oh read is, it yeah, yeah. and and you find out about, you know, there was a time when this was literally a career with just a handful of guys doing it, you know, that they knew all of the guys doing it. Now I couldn't possibly know all of the guys doing it. I barely know the guys that I know um, because they get around as much as they get around. And, and then you see something like, um, you know, up at the Ice House, I'm sure it's still there, but they've got a contract from Letterman. Who yeah, working yeah, yeah, there yeah. For the week for like 17 shows for $175. <laughs> right. You think, holy hell. And, and that's that's the, uh, going on at the same time that that uh, I'm Dying Up Here is talking about. And, you know, just that, that percolating underground it's, of yep. the start of what became this mushroom cloud of stand-up comedy that, that is, you know, it's a it's a – it's an industry now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, um, and uh, Paul, uh, Paul, sorry, Phil, and I have uh, been working on the ship. This is our second contract, but we've worked right. before. Uh, I got to say, like, your writing is some of the best I've ever seen. Huh. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure if I've told you this, but, like, it's, well, uh, I told you, Warren and I, the other comic who was on last week, we talk about just in the back of the room and just watching you, just like they said, get a chokehold of the audience uh, and slowly kill them. Uh, who was were your influences? Because, um, well, I've had you know a lot of them. I, um, Newhart, um, uh, Newhart is was a longtime favorite, and but all of them. Uh, Richard Pryor just killed me, and because he was saying things that he brought me into a world that I didn't didn't know. You know, I was a white suburban kid, and he brought me into the streets of 
Harlem and things like that. And it just uh, was fascinating to me. Again, in, in, in just verbiage, you know, he would say things and I would see the things that he was talking about. And then as I got um, uh, into Steve Martin and mm. just the way he would, you know, he once said that he wanted to be clever because everybody else was doing political and smart. And then when it came time for them to want clever, he would be ready and they would be, he would be the only one. And um, it just the distinct styles of people like that. I totally um, see Steve Martin in your act. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, well, that's do. complimentary. That's complimentary. The, you have some of the really great absurdist kind of uh, bits. Oh. You know, that uh, that just, what's, I'm trying to word this right, that just, well, it's the, the left turns. Uh-huh. Like the left turns and some, and uh, I'm trying to, oh, what's that? I like the rug pull. You know, the rug pull. I, I, That's I a like, great way to put it. I like yeah. taking them this way and then bringing them and then showing them that way. Because the the interesting thing is, I've grown to study comedy and the the philosophy of humor. Um, you know, the brain is a shortcut machine, and people are ahead of you. They're ahead of you, yeah. and you have the ability to stop that shortcut. And we we do it with humor, you know. And it's it's such a fun thing to be able to lead them down one way and then. You know, I have one joke, and it changes in three words. And uh, use a bag. Those are the three words. I talk about having to pick up after my dog and how it makes me ill. And then it hits me the other day, use, use a, a bag. bag. Yep. And the, the entire thing shifts with just three stupid words. And, then it's and, and, and I mean, I am... Uh, I'm the king at that point, you know. I mean, yeah. people look at you like, how did we, why did he, what, how could I have been so stupid if I was just going down that way? And then, and then suddenly it's a, it's a, it's a color shift, you know. It's totally. fascinating to me. Yes. Um, one of the bits that I love is uh, the bit about the uh, asparagus and how, <laughs> oh, the, the, you talk about how the asparagus makes peace smell funny and that's yeah. only for th- uh, three, S- three, three out, out of ten, ten people, people yeah. which is such a smart little twist on that. And then you take it even further yeah. with the enzyme bit, and that yeah. just, and then you just ta- it's almost like you're it's uh, how Jim Gaffigan sometimes uh, when he does that little like I don't know what he's talking Talk about. about he why plays he the he plays the audience up? in yeah. that bit. Yeah, you do that kind of at the end of there. We go, why does it keep running? And it's one of those like brilliant little. It's almost like feels like it's a throw a throwaway line that just hits like a grenade. Yeah, you know, okay. It's a yeah. rich. It's really um, really well. You know, along those uh, back to those people that inspire rich jenny we were talking yeah, about him oh the my other God, night yeah. and the way that he would write a joke until it was out of breath and then he would breathe life into it and then he would squeeze it again <laughs> and, and it's just such a phenomenal thing and and um i love the done not done part of the joke and not, and he was a master at it absolutely you know? and, and to be able to have one of those in my act is pride worthy and to have an act that's like that is it's legendary like oh, he was yeah know, just legendary you had a great analogy for that you said it's like falling off a cliff and hitting every possible rock jagged and rock stick you could and and help. limb and bump on the way down he just he drove a joke off the cliff and and it just didn't it didn't fly off and hit the ground it just tumbled down and <laughs> boom boom boom, yeah. boom 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 and he was he was a master absolutely oh absolutely and you and because uh, I had mentioned too that uh, you have great analogies, and you said you you actually see in visuals. Like I think in pictures. You think in pictures. Yeah. And you uh, that and you said that's from because you are dyslexic. Yeah, yeah. As you can see the little brain up there. As I'm studying the brain. Oh yeah. Um, the regions develop differently, and my uh, my verbal region isn't as strong as my visual region, and just in its own way, and. Uh, 
um, it's one of the things that made my wife and I such, I thought, a formidable pair and works so well when we work together because she's not a visual, she's a verbal thinker. She's, she's very, uh, very sharp with her, uh, uh, her knowledge of words and... and Entomology. And, uh, yes, and, and, and she'll pick out like the obscure, uh, ebullient, you know, rather than say, oh, you people seem like you're in a good mood. She'll say, oh, you seem like you're ebullient tonight. <laughs> and nobody knows what that is, but that's the way her head works. And so when we would write together, she would say something and I would say, yeah, but it's, it's not, wh what if we say it like this? I see it like this. What if we say it like that? Or, or I would say something that would be more visual and she'd say, yeah, but it's not, uh, we'll tinker with it this way. And she would make it a more verbal thing than that. And, and um, it's, you know, it, it's a distinct thing for me, and um, it's, it has worked in my favor because I've, I've been able to understand it, again, understand the, the nature of my writing and write to it. You know, that's like the thing with the chicken and, and right, right, you know, right. just, uh, just putting my smart in a smart, I guess is what, what I mean to no, say. I'm I, I got you. And I'm, I mean, I'm only smart the way I'm smart, but it, it comes across uh, smarter. Because uh, I think it because you think it pictures yeah yeah and, and because it's you, rare. you never you never write jokes down I it's all just no I don't have a joke book I'm I'm really envious of your joke uh, encyclopedia the <laughs> thing that you have I mean I'm, well, just, I'm just really OCD. Uh, what's that I'm just OCD well that may be um, but it but it works and, it, but, and, but, and I I we were talking about that the other night I have my own OCDs in that way I just wish that they were more uh, career connected and directed. Well, your uh, career is doing fine. Well, I would, uh, I would I'm imagine. Okay. I'm okay. I you bought me a drink. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you're doing well. You're doing well. Yeah, I make a good living. <laughs> I'm, I make a good living, and but I've done so marvelous things because of it. It's crazy, right? Well, yeah. Now you did TV writing too. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about this over dinner, but uh, like what you said, one of the more known shows was Caroline in the City. Caroline in the on. City. Yep. And and it, you know, it's interesting how show business works because no other business could you know nothing about it and say you're going to do it and then do it. Right. Right. I couldn't just stop into a firehouse one day and say, you know what? I love everything about fire. Next time you go out, go out I'm going to go out with you and have the group go, okay, but you can do that with comedy. You can just go into a comedy club and say, I've loved comedy all my life, and just sit in the green room and not say anything and just pick up little gyms and things like that. Um, and uh, we moved out to Los Angeles as a, at the time that my uh, wife's friend was developing her TV show. She was a comic. Um, she was developing her TV show, and um, she graciously, and we worked on it, and, and uh, as fate and luck would have it, we'd just end up on the show. And um, that show was a mid-season replacement that wasn't, it was successful for us, but it wasn't successful for her. And, and by that, I mean that it was a very difficult process to get the episodes churned out, but I was learning every week. It was TV college for me because I I didn't know what a blow was. I didn't know what a button was. I had no idea what a, uh, a headpiece was. Things like this. And this is all TV jargon, and I had no idea what I it was. Had no idea what you're talking and, about. But you would know. You you would know if if you. All saw I know, if somebody blew my headpiece, they'd be a very happy man. <laughs> I knew that right now. Um, I'll even unbutton. So <laughs> See, True. that's why I'm in the club. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> and um, so, but you had never done any TV writing up to that point. No. So basically, no. this woman who was a comic just invited you and your wife to be writers. Yeah. Did you have to get approval? Do you have to uh, submit well, a packet what, uh, or anything? Uh, no, uh, it, it didn't work like that. I mean, the way it had happened was her project had gotten very, very difficult. People were fired, and people had left. And w we were just trying to help. We were just friends going over to her uh, hotel room, punching up a script, 
and then we would go in the next day, and Nora and I weren't working, and, and literally we were joking, saying, no, we're just here for the craft services. We're just here <laughs> to hang around and have the free bagels. And, and then they would need a line, and Lisa would turn to us, and we would just have it. And rightly or wrongly, we were credited with saving her project. And then before I knew it, I mean, we were in show business. We had a job. We met with who, what ultimately became her executive producer and with Lisa asking and pushing and the thing that we had done because we were writing we were writing over the weekends with this woman and this guy Mindy and Michael who I come to find out it's the head of comedy development at Columbia Pictures and and I didn't know it I knew her as Mindy you know hey Mindy could you get me a soda when you're going you know I had no idea that it was this lofty person and and then when that show uh, when that show ultimately uh, went down, Lisa moved over to uh, Disney, and we moved over with her, and we worked on the her pilot for a week, and with her, the the staff of what ultimately became that, and a, a, a very good writer, Warren Bell, and we, we sort of proved ourselves that week, and we got hired on that show, and then when that show went down, we moved to a NBC must-see TV show that was in between Friends and Seinfeld. And uh, when that show went down, then we went to Caroline. And then when that show went down, we went to a WB show. And then um, uh, during all that time, we're trying to develop a pilot for me that we ultimately sold to uh, NBC that didn't go. And, and then uh, my wife sold a pilot to Lifetime, and then that didn't go. And, and at this time, uh, reality TV's kicking in. Not so much reality, but uh, millionaire you know, who wants to be a millionaire and weakest link and survivor and those sorts of things were coming on and just pushing scripted, scripted television scripted. out of, out. And I was tired of getting on these these one bomb shows, you know. I, I would have loved to have been a Raymond writer or a, a Seinfeld writer or something like that where you knew what you were going to write and you knew how to how, what the show was and things like that. But we were always guessing with our shows. And it was a very it's frustrating a process. Shoot. It really, it's 70% fail rate. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a high turnover and uh we were we were fortunate to get in, but we weren't ever fortunate on the shows that we landed on. And I wanted to go back to doing stand up anyway. I missed it and I thought that uh, this this So you weren't doing any of the clubs or anything while you were doing T V right? Just 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 part time. I would go out on a hiatus week or I would uh if it were if it were a Saturday night I get Vandenberg Air Force Base or something, I would drive the two hours out there to do it. I didn't ever stop doing it. In fact I did the Tonight Show when I was writing television and I had no way of really polishing my set and and I, I That did was it. with Leno? Uh yeah. Yeah. And uh and I I in fact I had a uh my friend <laughs> got me this joke microphone that had a button, f a little button on the floor that you could step on, give you applause, and a button that you would step on and <laughs> boo, and a button that you would step on, and they, and they would laugh and clap. And I did my set, literally, that I was going to do on The Tonight Show, into that thing with this button, <laughs> thinking, okay, that's about the time that I would get, that's about the time that I would get, because oh, I really didn't have the club work that, that I felt that I needed to get to, to, to be sharp. Get it tight, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's interesting. All right, I got to... Uh, I've got to ask this briefly. What was your pilot? Like the one that you wrote for you? Oh, it was a great show. Um, uh, it was like a I'm show sure for my brother-in-law and my myself. My brother-in-law, who's a fantastically gifted actor, and really would have been the, the thing to carry the show, because I didn't know what I was doing in terms of that. Um, but it was about... Uh, my life out of high school was in a... Uh, it was a, a retail store called Mr. Plywood, and we had over 102 styles... That was the number, 102 <laughs> styles of uh, paneling. And um, Mr. Plywood was a three-store uh, 
franchise that we had three stores in Denver and I worked there and and the people that would come in and the people that worked there it was a marvelous setting for uh, I always thought for a TV show and, huh. and it became ultimately it, it became a Home Depot style store that's that was our idea for Mr. Plywood and and uh, John was going to be in it and, and it was a, a sort of a triangle show in the in the the format of the show was that John was my best friend, but I had married his sister, and that was something that he always held against me, but I couldn't help it because I'd fallen in love with her since a little boy, and, you know, we lived across the street and ultimately lived uh, just down the road from one another. That was all in the, sh- in the show and, and worked together. And, uh, so, so it's it was like a, a workplace kind of comedy. It was, it, at the time, and, and it never should have been anything more than a workplace comedy, but at the time... Uh, they called them uh, uh, dual shows, and it would be sl- workplace slash home life. And they wanted to spend some time at the workplace and some time at the home life, and that's where the wife character came in, and that's where that dynamic was formulated. But really the meat of it, the real the real individual meat of it was at the, at store, the store because there was nothing like that on TV. Still isn't, I don't think. And every time I walk into a Home Depot now, I think, man, this is this really is a great idea. This would have been a great TV show. Yeah, I guess if you do it now at Home Depot, it would be Senor Plywood uh-huh. with, yeah. all, the <laughs> right, with all the people front uh-huh. with the uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, looking for workers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, this is fun. Um, there's no real segue for this. This is the little part of the show, by the way, that we like to do. It's called the Skippy Green Show. It's the Skippy Green Show. Phil. Phil. <laughs> Holy God, my God. The last time I saw you was when we fucked that fourth grader. Phil. <laughs> yeah. It that is. was sometimes. Thanks for letting me go first, too. I appreciate that. Well, that's, you know, that's. Uh, I knew you missed the plywood. Yeah. So I knew that you would, uh, you'd bend, but you wouldn't break it. <laughs> yeah. Is that, how about that for a visual? <laughs> Get that picture. Good. Thank yeah. you very much. All right, Phil. Here's how this works. You ready? Uh huh. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. you got to answer the question in 10 words exactly. 10 words exactly? Exactly. Not okay. 11. Okay. Not 9. Okay. 10 words. Okay. Do I have a minute to think of the... Can I... You have a, you have a couple con- seconds to put your thoughts okay. together. Okay. okay. Here we go. If you... Could fuck. Any cast member of Seinfeld, who would it be mm. and why? Mm. Um, Ten words exactly. Okay. I know you're thinking in pictures right, right now. Yeah, but well, yeah, but they're good pictures. I c- good pictures. <laughs> I could imagine. It's, it's sex with. Uh, He's using his fingers to practice right now. Okay, it, it's not good, it's not funny, but uh, Elaine. Okay. Because I've always loved and admired Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You're right, it's not funny, but yep. it's a damn good it, answer. And, and I mean, I really have. I mean, she was fantastic. I, I had an opportunity to meet her. Um, her husband was at Big Ticket Television developing shows when my show was being developed at Big Ticket, and I had an opportunity to meet her, and she's lovely and You know, Phil, I really she, didn't need the whole fucking story. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm I, sorry. I thought it was, I was a bit. Okay. It was a bit. I thought I was and he's going about, on to okay. God damn. Skippy, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. as well you should yeah. be. Uh. It's the Skippy Green Show.
He's a dick. Uh, but he's he's himself. He's he's lovable. He's himself. Yeah. That was Brad Hall, by the way, right? Yeah. 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 I remember they were on uh, S, uh, SNL together. They were, That's yeah. They and and she really is a dynamite talent. I mean, and and I and she's prototype Phil girlfriend too. I mean, she's the size that she is, the coloring that she is, and the. I mean, and she's funny. You know, she's gifted and, and oh, hilarious, yes, she and she's beautiful and all of that. But her her talent just it is equal to the person that she is. And that's good and, to know. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah. I. I if if I could throw my wife over the edge for anybody, it would be <laughs> it would be Julia Louis Dreyfus, but but she would have nothing to do with me, and I'm lucky that my wife. Hey, hey, does. you don't you sell yourself short? Oh. She might have something to do with you. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. she might ask you to get her a drink yeah, or something. Yeah, she, yeah, well, she might. She yeah. might. <laughs> yeah. Dude, thank you so much for doing hey, this. Hey, listen, Phil. my pleasure. Hey, where yeah. can people find you online? Uh, I am at philpal.com. And uh, D-H-I-L-P-A-L Dot com nice. And I don't have much of a web presence Because again You know They asked uh, George Burns one time What you needed to be a comedian And he said you need an hour of material And a train ticket <laughs> Meaning that you could travel the country With an hour's worth of And now you it's need so much changed. more than that uh, you, you Now I need so to have much. a Twitter You know And I and what is meerkatting? I don't even know what that is I've heard it for like the fifth time I don't even know what it Meerkatting? Yeah That's uh Well that's when you're trying to get some pussy you go meerkat oh, oh, oh. meerkat okay i have <laughs> no idea back in the room was, um <laughs> but it i guess it's chatter 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 and i i don't i and i, 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 I don't know this is the first i've heard of it it's one of those I'm things where you now you need too. that now you need that now you need that and it, and it's honestly i think like if you want to appeal to teenagers dive head first and get every get a linkedin or not a linkedin get a red do go on reddit do this do that right i think basic social media that you need to hit the broad audience Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those yeah. are the big three. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. You know. Well, you'll in, you'll end up there, I think. I don't need to have a pre- well, maybe you do need to have a presence. And and anybody does. I mean, you can have a YouTube channel. Oh, you know? I do. I mean, well, and there you go. So, yeah. But I mean, that, uh, those are to me, those are the four big ones. Uh-huh. Everything else is a little trickle down off of that. It it's a that's a hell of a box. I mean, if you've got those four corners, you're in a yeah. You're in you're, a you're, good place you're, you're you've got a presence somewhere, yeah. but. Yeah. But people can find you at philpal. philpal.com. And, Excellent. And there's, you know, I, you, they can follow me on Facebook. They can follow me, philpal for short, on Twitter. Short and for Phil Palisol. That's exactly right. You're the first one to get it, man. You're the first one to get it. Um, but, yeah, I'm around. Excellent. Yeah. Well, th- again, thank you for doing that. My and guys, pleasure. you know where you can catch me, uh, flipisfunny.com, at flipschultz on Twitter, and whatsfordinnerpodcast.com, and at wfdpodcast on Twitter. And uh, if you like the show, please leave a nice comment either on the iTunes page or on the website, whatsfordinnerpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much. And uh, next week, I'll be back on land, and we'll continue the interviews from the San Luis Obispo Comedy Festival. See you then. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking about what's ever on their minds.